Okay, thanks. Um, rather than do a, have a prepared PowerPoint, I've tried to take some of the thoughts and material thoughts I've accumulated over about 10 years of research on migrations within and from Egypt and think about these in the context of some of the issues that have been coming up in the conference. Um, I'm rather cautious about the level of integration of models that we've been asked by some of our colleagues to take on board. Um, the main reason being that I think that there's a global environment which has been developing over the last 40 years, broadly characterised by an international political economy dominated by uh, neoliberalism, which is producing more and more instability, crisis and fragmentation in certain sorts of societies, disembedding people, causing very large um, uh, abrupt migrations. And at the same time, because of course people often think about neoliberalism as being to do with the free market and so on, but of course neoliberalism is driven by very authoritarian states. And so at the same time as this campaign for the free market globally, there are interventions by um, highly authoritarian states to inhibit the migrations which result. And this intensifies the level of global crisis. And it, it seems to me this is very difficult to model into some of the type of um, uh, paradigmatic types of proposals that have been suggested to us. I'm not saying these aren't of value, but it's very difficult to model these in. I think governments and agencies would like to see such models for all sorts of instrumental reasons, to do, including to do with rationalisation, rationalising certain migration policies and maintaining fictions about control. But I think it's very difficult to do so, and, and I want to use Egypt as an example of some of the difficulties, especially in relation to movements from Egypt, which have developed over the last 10 years, move, movements across the Mediterranean to Europe. Now, in the 1970s, um, Egypt was seen as part of a regional migration system, and indeed, the regional migration system in the Middle East, centred on the Gulf oil economies, has been one of the important regional examples summoned up as a, an, a basis for thinking about systems, uh, migratory systems. Um, from the 1970s, the mid-1970s, migration to the Gulf and to a lesser extent to Libya was strongly encouraged by the um, Egyptian government for all sorts of reasons including, it's been argued, to act as a type of venting mechanism, as a means of young, particularly young men, taking their anger and aspirations for change somewhere else. And indeed, if you look back through the archival material in relation to the Egyptian government, it was very much on the minds of the Sadat regime that, that this type of uh, outward movement would assist them. But if it did delay change, in Egypt, you can argue that it was also a type of catalyst of sorts. So having long-term migration and then a return of certain sorts of migrants was a catalyst for change. Because when um, migrant families who had been for many years in the Gulf and to a lesser extent in Libya did return to Egypt, they found a society which was much changed, especially an agrarian society much changed. Relations on the land greatly changed because Egypt from the early 70s had been a type of laboratory for neoliberalism 
and the place in which the major international financial organisations, the, particularly the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund, have been able to induce successive regimes, that of Sadat and Mubarak, to implement their policies. And in fact, these policies were taken up in, um, in zealous fashion by Sadat and then by Mubarak, who ensured that their particular interest groups were the beneficiaries, prime, prime beneficiaries of these programmes. Um, and all the usual, how shall I put it, the usual suspects in terms of neoliberal policies were implemented in Egypt. Various sorts of liberalisation, privatisation, but absolutely crucially, desequestration of the land. Meaning that the land reforms of the Nasser era, the early 1950s, which for the first time since Pharaonic the Pharaonic era, i.e. 5,000 years ago, had given a significant number of fellahin, of the Egyptian peasants, access to the land. And they did, some of them, not all, some of them got rights of access to the land in perpetuity. And those reforms were reversed so that land-owning families, the colonial era, quotes, got their land back. Uh, it's a very fascinating process how this was achieved legally. I won't, I won't go into it now. So there's sequestration of the land, at the same time very large, large areas of land going over to production of cash crops. The outcome, of course, was mass dispossession. Um, and it's happened very, very fast from the mid-1990s through to the last couple of years. There are many parallels here with what happened in Mexico after NAFTA and the declaration of establishment of NAFTA in 1994. Um, in the most vulnerable areas of Egypt, that's where the land question was most serious, in other words, where the largest number of people had the most limited access to the land, um, there were very serious outcomes. As in Mexico, collective labour arrangements collapsed, had a really profound effect on the local community. There was a crisis in family life, manifested in all sorts of, sort of ways. I mean, um, in particular, arrangements between extended families over marriage, the expectation of transfer of rights or in land or access to land, the capacity of individual families to go through the normal procedures in relation to marriage, that's first of all the, uh, the ability to produce, uh, to pay for the shabka, which is a pre, uh, the type of pre-dowry gift, the uh, giving of a dowry, the provision of housing to start a family, all these became, um, they fell off the agenda for many, many young people, young men and their families. The, what had become the familiar option of migration to the Gulf and Libya was closed off. And not very surprisingly, under these intensive pressions, pressures, especially in the countryside, but to some extent also in the city, because there are mass migrations to the city. I mean, there's always there's a long history of rural urban migration. This intensifies enormously over the past 15 years or so. New, new migrations begin, and new migrations now are migrations to Europe. In the 1970s and 80s, the Egyptian state um, facilitated migrations to the Gulf, and a typical scene at Cairo Airport were, were mass departures, uh, you know, endorsed and supported and part financed by the state. But the, the new migratory route is across the Mediterranean 
And far from being endorsed by the state, of course, it's uh, an irregular migration, it's a, ma- a migration which evades um, state controls and is extraordinarily expensive and extraordinarily risky. The route is a very interesting one that the migrants follow, the Egyptian migrants follow, because it's one established by sub-Saharan African refugees. Cairo is one of the most important cities um, in and around Africa um, at which refugees gather for onward movement, and this has been true since the late 1980s. And the path, the migratory path through Libya to Europe, I'm sure people are familiar with this, established initially um, by um, African refugees, but now, take, now, now pursued first of all through Libya by Egyptians, but then for all sorts of reasons that I won't go through now, will be familiar to you, the, 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 the rapidly changing events in Libya. The Libyan route is closed off, so it's necessary to find routes of departure from Egypt. And at the very same time that large numbers of people are seeking to leave Egypt under these tremendous pressures, there's a, a crisis in the Egyptian fishing industry. Again, I don't have time quite to look into this now. But in a whole series of, of, of Egyptian ports across the delta, across the various mouths of the Nile, um, communities uh, are seeking, fishing communities are seeking income. So you've got two things together. You know, you've got people urgently seeking exit, and you've got people who move from being what historically have been for generations fishermen into being whatever we want to call it. Labour facilitators, uh, 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 migration facilitators, migration agents, smugglers, whatever uh, label you want to fix to them. Initially, the outward movement from Egypt to Europe was, was from the most impoverished areas uh, of a large oasis south of Cairo called Fayoum, for those of you who know Egypt, and which has historically been a profound um, a, a problem over access to the land. But as things speeded up from the delta, it's people from delta villages, especially to the east of Alexandria, um, who, uh, again, historically, uh, were faced by very serious problems on the land. But the process of uh, the the, the neoliberal reforms have been felt extremely intensively there. Again, unfortunately for reasons I don't have to go into at the moment, I don't have time to go into at the moment, but it's from there that these people start to move the short distances to the delta ports, Okay, for those of you, again, who have some familiarity with Egypt, in particular the historically important port of, uh, port of Rashid, which is called, uh, has been dubbed by Europeans Rosetta, as in the Rosetta Stone, and another one, Burug uh, Magayan, and these are the centres of major, major outward movements from roughly from the late 1990s onwards. Extraordinarily high-risk migration, comparable to the risks undertaken by migrants crossing the uh, border from Mexico to the US during the 1990s, or those crossing, say, the Java Sea from Southeast Asia Asia to Australia today. Extraordinarily risky because, of course, of the exclusionary regime imposed by um, the European states. European states um, that have been the first to encourage and strongly encourage neoliberal measures in Egypt and at the same time um, were the first to impose inhibitory measures vis-à-vis the migrants. It's wrong to see, I'm sorry that Hein isn't here, because I know he's written about the myth of a migrant invasion from North Africa to Europe, and it's true there's no invasion. On the other hand, 
it's wrong to us to underestimate the scale and intensity of the new movements from Egypt. Tremendous uh, efforts in supported by the EU to inhibit the movements within Egypt, uh, led by the, um, perhaps not very surprisingly, by the IOM, and including the production of sort of soap opera films and so on, shown in the villages and informing people about the risks, all um, failing to inhibit these movements. And then comes, of course, nearly three years ago, the Egyptian Revolution. Now, all major revolutionary movements that have wide popular participation involve what you might call democratic sifting or democratic shuffling, and the Egyptian Revolution is no exception. It's produced an enormous rise in expectations of the mass of the population. At the same time, those expectations have been unfulfilled. Um, you'll be familiar with some of the recent events, the deepening of the economic crisis in Egypt, the tremendous frustration of those expectations expressed in all sorts of ways, including by what for many people have been unexpected developments, like the rise and fall of the Islamist movement, the removal of President Morsi only a few months ago. But whilst there's this rise in expectations, promptly frustrated, something else has happened in Egypt, which of course is that we can debate perhaps quite the character of this revolution, but from where I'm coming from, this is a, a, a revolution in, in type of the classic sense, and one of the expressions of that is a severe damage done to the old machinery of state. So the policing mechanisms of the old machinery of state um, have um, been very seriously affected um, and are in relation to border control they've almost completely collapsed. So the inhibitory activities of the old Mubarak era of the police and the coast guards and the coastal patrols and so on which the EU had quite sort of depended upon and invested in, for those who are familiar with this, around the Barcelona Declaration of 1995, if that makes sense, an EU agreement with the Arab states very much focused on Egypt, which will give you development aid if you keep stop these people coming to Europe, that the, the, the operative side of that breaks down. So it's relative ease of exit. So more and more people are leaving Egypt. Final couple of final points. The broader... Arab Spring, um, which I'd want to argue, despite its compl the complexity of the way it's manifested in different uh, nation states, the manifestation in Tunisia, Egypt, Syria, Yemen, I mean, these are all remarkably different, but they are set against the, 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 the development over these recent decades of a type of global order characterised primarily by neoliberal economics and so on, they all have that background. The Arab Spring has produced additional changes because if we can describe broadly the Egyptians who have entered this new migratory pathway as survival migrants, they've now been uh, followed by people you might call refugees proper. Now I'm only putting this in big quotes for the moment. Most importantly, forced migrants from Syria, including Syrian Palestinians, who have entered Egypt in enormous numbers. I mean, Egypt isn't the obvious destination for them. They have to transit through other countries, but there are over 100,000 registered Syrian migrants in Egypt today. They face enormous problems in Egypt, and really significant numbers have now begun to participate in the movements from the, uh, uh, Delta, from the Delta, Nile Delta coast across the Mediterranean to Europe. 
In the last two months, I think this is very significant really, in the last two months, the number of interceptions made by the Italian uh, authorities and by Frontex um, have doubled. The number of individual interceptions, or the number of the individuals intercepted, have doubled. They're now, they're really, really importantly, they're the only people, it's only those who are actually intercepted. The numbers who are making a landfall in southern Europe are, in my opinion, like to be significantly much greater. And what we do know from the Italian authorities is the number of people identifying themselves as Egyptians and Syrians is enormously greater than in the past when it was primarily people who were of sub-Saharan African origin, Eritreans, Ethiopians, Somalis, and so on. Very last points. I just want to relate this to some of the themes that have been emerging in the conference. Can we type a model this through migration systems theory? And some of the, uh, the models, or visual models that have been put to us. This is a model, which, th 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 these movements out of Egypt across the Mediterranean, they, de they demonstrate pattern, they demonstrate control me mechanisms, which I haven't had time to go into here because there are gatekeepers at the, you know, uh, both the Egyptian and Italian end. They demonstrate feedback, you know, there are remittances, there are returns. All these sorts of factors are there. But above all, it seems to me this movement is characterised by constraint, and constraint at the origin end. And not only is a key character constraint, another key character is what I would call dynamism. Because what we see is a, is, is a migratory path, path established initially by forced migrants, pursued by refugees, pursued by people who would not fit, fit into the classical refugee definition who come later, who I'm going to dub for the moment Egyptian survival migrants, who open up, intensify and open up the pathway and shift its geographical lo location in, into Egypt. These are the tens of thousands of dispossessed Falahim. And now the new refugees of the Syrian conflict, again, we might classically describe as refugees, people who can make a plausible claim for asylum under the convention, if you want to be really specific. So this is a dynamic pathway which responds to and is changed by the impact of global and regional events and the predicaments um, of people in Egypt and across the region.